Hello, and welcome to Talk To Be Well. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Henderson, Chief Executive Behavioral Health for Providence, Oregon, and Chief Clinical Officer for Work To Be Well. Joining me today to discuss the fear of rejection and building resiliency are a couple of members from our National Student Advisory Council for Work To Be Well. But before we get started, I want to remind everybody that the information provided during this podcast is really for educational purposes only. It's not intended, nor is it implied, to be a substitute for professional medical advice. All right, let's get started. Let's jump right in. Tell me who you are, where you're from, and why does this topic matter to you? Mohammed, why don't you kick us off? Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Mohammed Shadid, and I go to Safaya High School in Pittsburgh, PA. And this topic matters to me because uh, I think a lot of people have gone through several failures in the past two years with COVID, um, shutting down some of their opportunities and then trying to recover from COVID now, and still it's hard to proceed with life. And then also relate to this to college decisions as seniors across the country recently received early decision. uh, And many of them may have not gotten into the schools that they wish to. All right. Hi, I'm Emily and I'm from Oregon. And I think this topic is passionate for me because um, I'm a senior also and dealing with college stuff and everything is crazy right now. So I really thought this would be a good thing to talk about. Well, and I think it's really important and I appreciate the vulnerability you both have to talk about what that feels like, that fear of rejection and how it feels, especially now, um, because getting back the early decision you don't expect isn't Uh, Like the world's not going to end tomorrow, but it sure can feel that way. So I really appreciate and I want to start off with, you know, I'm wondering if you could both tell me about a time when you recall when you failed. How did you feel and what did you take away from that? What did you learn from that? Uh, I can start with this. So um, an event I wanted to hold at my school was called Just Like Your Culture Day uh, because we have a rather diverse school and we wanted kids and faculty to have the opportunity to dress in cultural attire or colors of the country. Um, So we tried organizing this the year of COVID actually, um, and we were planning it two weeks before everything shut down. So we had to wait. um, And we thought this year would be the right time to bring it back up. And when we brought it to the school board to get approval, uh, it was rejected the first time we did it. Um, We wanted to do it during homecoming week as part of like the spirit wear themes uh, it was rejected at first, so uh, by me, and then um, that was kind of disheartening. Uh, and I spoke like with my advisory and team, and we decided to have uh, a group of students come together and speak to the school board about why we wanted it and felt it was important. Uh, and eventually, they accepted, and we were able to hold it about a month later. And we had three hundred people participate. So that just shows me that you shouldn't stand down uh, in the face of. You shouldn't stop supporting what you believe in and your values. Wow. Emily, how about you? Um, Mine's not as cool as Mohammed's, but um, last year I remember I took pre-calc and trig and I've always been good at math. I've always been confident in it. And then I failed my first trig test, like my first quiz. And I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Because I, I did not understand what was happening, and I was, like, so lost. And so I spent, like, that whole trimester, like, working my butt off, like, studying every night and, like, doing practice problems. And I ended the class with an A. And so 
it was like that first like I guess like rejection in that sense or like failure I like try to turn it as a way to like motivate me to work harder but like it was hard because failing a trick test is not fun you know I I love that um example of how you take failure and use it as fuel and and I think that's something that we're going to talk a little bit more about today where we take failure and like like getting a bad grade like not doing well in something we expect that we're going to do it well in I think this applies a lot in sports as well where sometimes people will lose a game and they use that as as fuel right to fuel them into the next thing um I think that speaks to to why it may be that it's important to initially embrace those emotions. You know, how did you feel when you when you initially failed, and and why was it important to kind of lean into that, and what got you to move on? Because a lot of people would have taken that failure and gone, "I'm just done with trig. I'm not good at math. I'm over it." How? What's the difference? Right? What made that different for you? Um. Well, for me, what made it different was like, I guess I've always like been hard on myself to get all A's. And so that was like my initial motivation, but I also wanted to like prove to myself like that I could like do better and like assess like why I failed. Did I not study enough? Did I like not pay attention in class enough? And I think that motivated me because it was more of like just the grade. It was more like a personal reflection too, I think. And then to also use that situation to like, because I was really upset about it and I was like, well, maybe I shouldn't be like, like hold on to like grades that much in my head. Maybe I should like, I don't know, like give myself more of a break sometimes too. I think part of the reason that uh, failure is fuel is because of the emotional feelings you feel after a failure and you don't want to feel them again, which pushes you to try again and succeed. Uh, like initial uh, emotions include like being angry, being sad, uh, being anxious, uh, doubting yourself even. I think those are really hard feelings to handle in general and they aren't fun to have, which is why I think that that's why failure serves as fuel in many cases. Um, like in my case, I was very angry after my initial rejection, uh, especially since it was like a really long time in planning and I didn't want to graduate without at least trying to get it through or have it um, be done for the underclassmen for next year. You know, I think that's, that's also really interesting because you tend to, I know I do. I tend to really personally identify with projects that have meaning for me, right? Things that I've invested in, things that I've put my energy into. There's a part of me that becomes part of that. So when somebody says, yeah, we're not going to do that. I feel like they're saying, yeah, we're not going to do you. This is about you, not necessarily about your project. How do you make it so that that rejection, especially when you're looking at a rejection, that's something like, like a, um, you know, something, something you put effort into that suddenly now, you know, somebody's saying no to, how do you not take that personally? Um, how do you not make that part of, you know, part of your definition? I guess the best way is looking at it from a more general and wide scope, um, realizing that the world doesn't revolve around you. Um, while that does sound harsh, it helps like alleviate, um, some of the emotions and like connections that you think, oh, they just said that because they hate me or in a certain, uh, in the cases with college, you don't um, connect, you won't, you won't force yourself to connect your self-esteem with the result uh, or the outcome of a decision. You'll be able to realize like how competitive um, getting into colleges are these days and how not everyone will get into the same colleges. 
for me, I was going to kind of say the same thing as Muhammad. I try to see it as, like, the person who did reject me, like, their perspective. And, like, I try to think back to times that I've rejected ideas or things. And, like, I never, like, see it as, like, the person's wrong or something. I always just see, like, the idea is not practical enough or, like, something like that. Like, it's never about the person. It's more about the idea. And so I try to remember that and be like, oh, it's not about me. It's about, you know, something about the idea. So let's lean into this early decision. You know, we know that the letters are starting to come out. It's going to start coming fast and and even faster now as we get into, um, you know, closer towards the end of the school year. More and more people are going to be getting those decisions. And the the ultimate kind of a, a, a thing that gets into people's heads the wait list. You've been waitlisted. How do you not take something like a message of you've been waitlisted and turn that into a rejection? How do you stay positive in that kind of uncertainty? Um, I remember I saw a video on TikTok about waitlisting. It's like if you're online shopping and you have all these things in your cart, and you see all these things that you want, but you can't buy them all at once. So you try to be like, okay, I'll buy these ones and maybe I'll buy these ones later. So I try to think about it as like, you're still in the shopping cart. Like they still liked you. Like, <laughs> so like you shouldn't put yourself down about that. You should be like, it's a good thing. And like, you should be proud of yourself. Like you made it into the shopping cart. Like they want you still, but maybe they just don't have enough room or resources to take you. That's a really cool way to look at it. Um, I think you summed it up perfectly. Um, if don't look at it in a negative light because they didn't reject you. If they didn't have, if they didn't see something in you that was worthy of uh, you being at their um, school, then they wouldn't have even considered waitlisting you. And I, that's your opportunity to showcase some of your accomplishments and highlights of the fast, past few months um, in order to try and convince them to uh, proceed in, to the checkout aisle if we're going off of Emily's uh, analogy. And to take you home. Oh, I love that going into the checkout aisle. So how do you support your friends? You know, I, I'm sure that you both are going to have friends who are getting those wait lists and rejection letters. How are you going to keep your friends and, and, and even yourself, if this comes to you from connecting those rejections to your self identity, to who you are, how are you going to, what's your, what's your go-to advice? I know something one of my friends always says is bigger, better opportunities are always there. Um, and that it, this might be kind of, may sound kind of mean, but you can always laugh in the face of other industries when you're, or other schools when you're wildly successful in the future. So just to not take, um, not to let it be the end of the world for you, uh, realize that there are really several really good schools out there and one may you, you may realize that things happen for a reason. Uh, it may be fate that you got rejected from one and end up going to another because it may have been a bit better fit for you. I know that one thing I've always been telling my friends recently is that like rejection is just redirection. Like if you don't get into that school, it's just going to redirect you somewhere where you're meant to be. And like, you'll end up like, you'll still end up going to college. Like you'll still end up doing the things you want to do. It's just that, you're just being redirected to a new path and you just, it's going to be new and it's not what you expected, but you should like, I don't know, take the, I guess, enjoy the ride. I don't know. 
I, I love this idea of rejection as redirection because the experiences that you have in that redirected, that almost like uh, I kind of go to the sci-fi analogy of an alternate universe and you're, and you're in the alternate universe, right? You, you, you took the other path and, and you went into the alternate universe and all the wonderful experiences that you have there and all the people that you meet, meet there, you would never have met if you'd gone to what you thought you were going to do. And for all you know, you're going to find your dream job, meet your dream soulmate, all those other things, because you took a path that you didn't quite expect. Maybe you went off your own script. I know for me, as somebody who's been out of school a couple of years, just a few, um, rarely do people ask me where I went to school. Um, eventually, that importance, as you go on and on in your life, becomes, um, it kind of shifts into perspective, because school's what you make it, right? Every experience is what you make it. And when you look at that in terms of every experience is what you make it, or the idea of, of rejection is redirection, what are some other ways that, that you can turn these types of things into those motivators, right? How can you turn rejection again, kind of the same question we had before, but really more, how do you motivate yourself after an early decision rejection? I'm glad you brought up the point, uh, Dr. Robin, about how you're not really asked about like where you went to school, because in this time, uh, when it comes to like, college decisions at, in senior year of high school, school, it feels like your entire top, top priority. It's your entire life. Basically, you've been in school your entire life. So you think if you get rejected, that means your the past 18 years of your life have been meaningless, have been a failure. Um, but when you really look at it uh, in perspective, if you live to be 80 years, high school is like four years of that. So that's very, very small, uh, about 5%. So you shouldn't, um, in a sense, it's, it's illogical to put so much emphasis and pressure on yourself in those four years and trying to focus on what college you get into. Um, so you can, that can help you move on from initial failures and to try and focus on getting into other colleges and doing well at colleges you get into. I know that for my friends who got rejected early decision, they're having to do all these college applications now and they're all frantic and a lot of them are unmotivated to keep doing them. And I try to tell them, like, take it as a time to, like, explore all these new schools, all these new opportunities and, like, take it as a time of exploration because it's like you're not set on this one decision now. You can, like, make all these new decisions. So, like, try to think of it as a positive rather than a negative. That's, like the advice I gave my friends. Yeah, that's an especially good point because when you're, when you're looking at this and trying to turn it back around, um, having to all of a sudden consider all those different alternate realities can be really rough. Do you think it's important to take some time to, to grieve and let it go? Uh, absolutely. Because <clears throat> that goes with the point of like embracing uh, the initial failure, embracing your feelings, knowing what it feels like to fail. Because if you try and brush off a failure too quickly, you won't really be thankful for it. And that may s sound strange, but uh, the most wildly successful people on the planet have said that they've learned the most from their failures. And that's not just from the failure itself, but it's also from the emotions they've experienced from that failure, I'm sure, uh, because they know they didn't want to go through that again. And they've most of them have gone through that uh, failure several times. So they've had to uh, quickly grieve and let go, not quickly, but um, but they've gotten used to that failure in a sense, and they've adapted to being able to grieve to it and let it go 
and move on to the next um, task so that they could succeed. And I think that's like an important part to emulate for everyone. Yeah, I think it's important to take time to grieve because it's also like, especially early, early decision schools, those are people's like usual dream schools that they think about all of high school, like they have all of the merch on their walls, you know. And so it's important to take that time to like take care of yourself and like um, make new dreams, maybe talk to people who got rejected from the same school as you too. And like, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know, take that time for yourself and learn more about yourself too. You know, it's interesting because I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about that idea of how uh, I know I've learned a lot more from my failures probably than my successes. It's it's a true story. Um, there's the the saying that people have of how do you know what a good decision is? Well, a good decision. You know what a good decision is because you've made enough bad decisions. And a lot of high school and getting into college is a lot of times, especially for high achievers, it's usually all these things go right. And so when all of a sudden something goes wrong, it can be super destabilizing. It can be really that kind of a, well, maybe I'm not as great as I thought. Maybe I'm not as put together as I thought and all those other things. When the reality is going back to something you both said earlier, it's not about you. It's not necessarily about you. It may be that they had a lot of things in their shopping cart and they really needed some other types of things in their shopping cart, or they just ran out of room, especially now as we come out of COVID. I think colleges are still struggling. Many are struggling with, um, you know, a lack of a lack of capacity in certain programs and being overwhelmed in other programs. And there are some courses of study that were popular three years ago that now aren't so popular. And so colleges haven't necessarily rebalanced and readjusted their offerings in this post-pandemic world. And I think that's really rough. Um, you know, when I think about how you get out of something that didn't go expected, one of the biggest things is being thoughtful and maybe putting a plan in place. How would you go about putting a plan in place? You know, thinking about the, the times in your life when you've had a failure, how do you plan for how you're going to move forward from there? What do you do? I think reflection is a really important thing to do, especially with like a journal or um, a piece to record your failures from the past so that you could see um, similarities between them. Um, and that could help you avoid similar mistakes or failures in the future. Or just even when you do end up having success, it could be good to look back on an initial failure and that shows you your growth. Um, and it like reproves to you if you had doubts about yourself being great or being able to achieve uh, things it reproves it to you that oh I went through these failures before but I was able to bounce back and then also uh, I think speaking with people with similar failures as Emily mentioned with colleges but just with in uh, general with any failure it's good to uh, relate your experiences with others who also failed so that you can share um, not only your emotions but also general talking points about what went wrong and how um, if one person failed before and is now successful you could learn from them as well and that could be a mutual beneficial relationship. I was going to say the same, like reflect on your failure, like the different variables that could have contributed to it that, that might not be your actions or might not be like because of you. Obviously that might be like some part of it, but a lot of failures, like it's kind of out of our control, especially like college wise. So um, I think reflecting on that. And then if it is a personal failure, like something you did take it as a time of growth and, like 
a chance to make yourself a better person in the future. I think that kind of gets us to the place where, where you know, I'm dying to ask because, you know, I'm always curious about these things. How's the early decision process going for both of you? Uh, so I actually didn't apply early decision anywhere, but I had a bunch of early acceptances. Um, I did get deferred from two. Uh, so that was interesting. Um, so I'm working on my reappeal and reapplication. Uh, it was disheartening to get that wait list. Um, and I'm sure it is for everyone. But I think uh, Emily's analogy helped me today. Uh, I realized it wasn't just about me. Um, shopping cart may have been overfilling and it's time for me um, to state my case for why I'm a better product um, than some others in there and hopefully make it to the checkout aisle. Um, for me, I also didn't apply early decision, but I did apply early action to a lot of schools. And actually, my dream school comes out in two weeks, whether or not I got accepted or deferred or rejected. And so I've just been kind of like mentally preparing for that. But I got accepted into like two schools already. So it's like, I feel like it's not going to be as bad because I already know the other options. But I could see why like early decision would be hard because that's probably your first decision coming back. And like if my first decision was a rejection, that would be really disheartening. But um, so... I'm excited, but I'm also a little scared. So we'll see how it goes. And something I just want to add real quickly to that is the the worst part of like I I I think the worst part of the college experience is getting that first decision back because at least if if it's acceptance, then at least you have like a safety blanket if all else goes wrong, which isn't likely. So I'd recommend for like uh, people who are watching this who are going going to go through the college experience um, soon apply uh, really early to a school you are almost guaranteed to get in, or you know you're guaranteed to get in. Just having that comfort of knowing you got into one at least. Uh, for me, when I saw that, it helped me work on the remainder of my applications when I was initially losing motivation. So I think that's a good thing to keep in mind as well. The scariest thing is not knowing if you will go to college, but once you answer that question of you're guaranteed to go somewhere at least, the rest of the process um, is a little bit easier. Yeah, that's such a good that's such good advice because I remember we did an episode where we had a, a college a college prep counselor with us who talked about you know making sure that you had those schools solidly in the middle that you knew you were going to be able to get into that you knew were places that you were going to be able to go that still checked a lot of boxes for you and then a few of those schools that were your dream schools and and applying to those that you know solidly and a, a lot of times for many of us those schools are the state schools. Um, for some of us, we live in states where the state schools are our dream schools, but you do have the home state advantage when when you're in your home state. And um, that type of of solid point there is is a big deal. I think along with those early decision come some of those issues related to scholarships and hearing about different scholarships. How are you coping with and dealing with not everybody's going to get all the scholarships? So how do you cope with and deal with those types of, of basically successes and rejections? I think the most amount of failures I've had this year were in response to scholarships I applied to. Um, uh, they are very, very competitive. They're more competitive than people realize. Um, so I think just also not taking it personally then, um, there's so many people trying to con- – uh, Financial aid plays a huge factor in that. There are many people who are disadvantaged and they deserve to win uh, scholarships um, 
more than you, uh, which is why they're created. But look for merit-based scholarships. The people who win those are usually the ones who end up at the top Ivy League schools, which is something I've noticed too. So like something I'd recommend is looking for like local-based scholarships as local as possible, because then the applicant pool is much, much smaller rather than trying to focus on the national uh, level. Because I, I, I watched a video recently that compared those types of scholarships as more of a lottery, essentially, um, because of the just ridiculous percentage, low percentages of people who win it out of all the applicants. So I say state and local scholarships are the best bet um, and not taking it too personally when you win um, or when you lose to a scholarship that 100,000 people apply to. I know that for me, um, I applied for like the U of O stamp scholarship, which is like their full ride program. And I didn't make it to the next round. And then I was like, oh, how did it, why didn't I make it to the next round? And then they gave me the statistics of the next round. And I was like, oh, that's why. Because there was only like a 0.3% chance of me making it to the next round. And only a 0.01% chance of me getting the scholarship. Like, <laughs> not like if I didn't see that, I'd probably take it a lot harder. But seeing those statistics, I was like, oh, yeah, I get it. Whatever. Like, I can apply to more. And also, like advice like when you do get those rejections it's hard to stay motivated to apply to other scholarships but like one thing my teacher told me was imagine getting paid a thousand dollars to write an essay like use that as motivation like imagine that you are getting that thousand dollars to write this essay like that's one tip or tip or a piece of advice i would have that is such a great piece of advice and i love that we're talking a little bit about scholarships here both of you brought up such important points. Go local. You're going to be highly more likely to get the scholarships that are local. There are scholarships that are local that often go unfulfilled every year. Those dollars just aren't awarded and it's because nobody applied. And there's a lot of, of local scholarships. There's a lot of great apps out there that collate these things. There's everybody's got a Google search. You know, you can go out and search the Internet. But local scholarships are a lot less competitive. Um, there are a lot less, the, the bar to actually get there is a lot lower and your statistical odds. And I love Emily that you were talking about the stats, go back and look at the stats. That's important with college admissions too. Look at the number of people who actually get admitted. Look at the number of people who, you know, this is, these are big deals and those things really matter because, you know, <laughs> it's, it's really rough out there, especially when you're looking to do some of those really highly competitive things. Does that mean you shouldn't try? No, you should try. You should go and put yourself out there. But having that backup plan is important. We're kind of coming down to where we're winding up our time. And I want to lean into both of you and give you a few minutes to really talk about what are those last pieces of advice you want to leave our viewers with today about this, this idea of how you turn these rejections into your superpower. Uh, I would say you don't have a glass ball. You can't see the future. And the reason I say that is uh, you never know what's going to happen. We, you don't know if failures will, or rejections will redirect you, as we mentioned before. Um, so continue to have and try and have an open mind in the future because you never know what will happen. And if you did end up uh, getting accepted to a certain college or something happened better uh, because it was accepted the first time, it may not have been uh, what you imagined it. Like for me, when I my event got rejected the first time, 
uh, we were actually given more time in a sense to work on it and perfect it. And I think that helped us get more people um, than it would have if we did it the first time. I think for me, like to turn rejection to superpowers, to always take it as an opportunity to learn. I always try to take everything as an opportunity to learn more. And so that's like my one piece of advice. And then as for college, like to relate it to college, like if you applied to college at all, like that's a huge accomplishment. Like that's crazy. Like, and if you are planning on going to college, like even if it is a state school, a school you weren't like dreaming of, like a school you didn't think of as prestigious or whatever, like you're still getting an education. You're still furthering yourself, like, um, like growing yourself as a person through your education. And I think that's a really good thing. And like, you should be proud of yourself for that. I love that. Be proud of yourself because you put yourself in the arena because you went out there and fought the good fight and you put yourself out there and said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go to college and I'm going to make the most of this experience because it's going to be amazing. Emily Muhammad, I want to thank you for joining me on Talk to Be Well today and sharing your advice on building resiliency in the face of rejection especially as we're playing in this ever important college decision time, because you all made the decisions to apply and now it's time for the colleges to go in and make their decisions. And it's going to be a while before we know how this all plays out, isn't it? If you are looking for support with your mental health or any other medical questions, please visit providence.org. And for parents, teachers, and students, check us out at worktobewell.org. That's work2bewell.org because we've got a lot of great Talk to Be Well episodes about the college application process and about how we cope with these things and also about just coping in general. I am your host, Dr. Robin Henderson. This has been Talk to Be Well. Be well, everybody. Mm-hmm.